words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Glory, hallelujah. I woke up today with a very strange burden. I started sharing it in the wedding. I just came from this morning. I, I woke up today, please forgive my use of word, not very accurate, but I woke up today pitying Jesus. I just... And it's not because it's Easter. It had nothing to do with Easter. Kaisa, good to see you. You know, it had nothing to do with Easter. I just woke up today pitying Jesus. I, I looked at the price he paid and the world he paid it for and how much that world is not responding seemingly to the price that he's paid. And it broke my heart badly this morning. Badly. It broke my heart badly. But I tell you what broke my heart the worst. I looked at the church that is supposed to have identified with what he has paid for. And then I found out that we are standing right at the threshold of a prophecy that Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 4 verse 1. Isaiah said, in that day, seven women will take the whole of the skirt of one man and they will say to him, let us eat our own meats and be clothed with our own apparels, only let us bear your name. And then I discovered that the primary problem, please hear me and understand me clearly, because the day of the Lord is here, and I said, I want to spend this session just establishing certain things in prophecy. Some things must come to pass. The execution of the judgment written is not given to Christ, it's given to the church. And part of the wisdoms that God will have to help us to walk in in this time is to understand the weaponry and the accuracy of prophecy as to the fulfillment of the fact that we are the ones who will execute the judgment written. It is given to us to submit the kingdoms to Christ so that he can submit it to God. First Corinthians 15. And that within the context of the deepest sense of sacredness and accuracy must come out with us at the end of this conference. However, God does it. Before we go through Lagos, Joss, and Abuja, there has to be a strong spiritual communique and a release of angelic hosts to bring to pass every word of the Lord that is spoken in this conference. So please understand my pain and my burden. If you understand my pain and my burden, then I'll put it beside the prophecies that we must fulfill. Then you will see the distance between where we seem to stand and where we say we are going. And yet I will introduce you to the God who can change all things within the context of a nation in one night. It's not going to take him forever to change what's happening on the earth. And we're not going to speak in this conference like victims. We're not victims. Did anybody hear me? Yes. If you ever see the salt underfoot trampled under men, don't blame the men who are trampling. Blame the salt. Uh, did you hear me? If you ever see the salt being trampled under the foot of men, don't ever blame the men who are trampling. Blame the salt. Jesus didn't call us to be liked by the world. He called us to arrive at the place where the world cannot do without us. That's actually the idea. So the world is not supposed to like us. But until we engage the principles that are given to us, what will happen consistently is that we will seem to always play the victim as though 
we are playing second fiddle. But let me go back to Isaiah 4 1, all right, so that I can lay a few foundations. So, seven women will take the hold of a skirt, the skirt of one man. Now, seven is not a number I need to introduce, do I? Right? It means that in that day, um, almost the. Okay, in that day, almost the perfection of what is accepted as church, not, not, not the perfection of the church, <laughs> the full number of what is accepted seemed to be perceived as church, will walk away from, number one, his bread. That's his principles. Right? Is that correct? Ah, your words were found and I ate them and they became the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. It means that the moment we speak bread within the context of scripture, we're talking about the principles of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it simply means that that entire, that entire generation will develop and generate its own principles outside of the principles of the word of God. Many times we'll use the word of God to make it look as though that's the principle of God. Can I come again? That's the reason why within the context of the generation, you have to have a high sense of discernment because uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, seeing that we have received such, such, such great ministry, as we have obtained mercy, we faint not. He said, so we do not handle the word of God deceitfully. It then means that a man who is skilled in the word of God is a dangerous weapon in the hand of Satan, especially when he's standing before a people who do not know the word of God. Because what he does is he takes the skill that he has gotten in the word of God and malhandles the teaching of the word of God because he knows that if the people who came to find God find what he's saying in scripture, the boundary of their conscience is broken and they are forced to accept a Babylonian principle because it was dragged out of the pages of the book. Are you following me? So a lot of the principles that we're building by have become strongly Babylonian and yet we've got one or two cut and paste scriptures we use to authenticate them. And many times the evidence is that anytime anybody confronts the principle by which we stand, especially another person who is intelligent in the handling of scripture, we war. We don't reason. The calling within brotherhood is, come, let us reason together. So God, by design, did not design the church to be intimidated that they were asked, why did you do what you did the way you did them? Especially if it was a brother who was asking. Make sense? The real problem is that we want to eat our own bread. What we want is we want to be called by his name. His name is selling. You understand what I mean? It's marketable. The second thing he said is let us wear our own apparel. And if you know apparel in scripture, you'll know that the Lord our God is clothed in righteousness. It then means that the second thing that happens the moment they will not accept the principle of the word of God is that they will redefine the standards of righteousness. They recreate their own righteousness. They establish their own righteousness. 
And the moment they establish it, what then happens is the only communication between them and God is no longer lordship. Because it is within the context of lordship that bread and apparel is provided. So what they defy the most is the lordship of Jesus. Are you following me? Come on saints, are you following me? Now, once a generation is established that way, what then happens naturally? <laughs> let, me, let me explain something beside that. It will aid your understanding. So there are two mountains. Joel chapter 3, one of the scriptures that I might not be able to run away from throughout this conference. And when I say throughout this conference, I'm not just talking about Lagos. Because I, I, I don't know about other people who are going to speak. I don't think that I'm going to finish saying what I want to say in Lagos. So when I go to Joss, I'll just continue like everybody in Joss was in Lagos. Then when we get to Abuja, was I don't know what day we get, but it's all right. We'll just continue from where we stopped. In Joel chapter 3, the Bible speaks about a valley that he calls the valley of Jehoshaphat. But you, real, you need to realize that a valley is created in between two mountains. That means in that day, standing tall will be the hill of the Lord and another hill called Babylon. I'll explain to you when we get to Joel chapter 3. That's on, my, that's, that's on my subject today. But it was the valley I was concerned concerning. The Bible says, multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is at hand in the valley of decision. Then 3 verse 9, he said, proclaim ye this among the nations. Prepare war. That's the kind of season we are going into. It's warfare. But it's not warfare according to what you know as warfare. So, just let's just follow me. And there are two mountains standing like that. Listen, both of the mountains require a kind of allegiance to bring you to the top. Are you following me? On the mountain called Babylon, Satan will not permit you to arrive at the top until blood is shed. Aha. And on the mountain called Zion, God will not allow you to come to the top until blood is shed. The problem is that the, the kind of shedding of blood are two different kinds. On the mountain Babylon, Satan makes sure that you don't arrive because, listen, the warfare that is about to happen is a warfare of kings. Ah, let me refer to something, Pimo. Give me Isaiah 32. Pastor Moses, you have succeeded. Give me Isaiah 32. Let me give myself. I know they trust media people again. It's up now. They will always wait for you to start going there. Then they'll put it up. Why are they always doing that? Is anybody still here? Ah, yeah. You will look sad. Let me give it to Tiffany. She came all the way from America. True. Let me do and get out of your face. You will came to see. You see Tiffany's glasses. The day I can wear that kind of glass, I've made it. Sorry. You're in trouble this year. Behold, a king shall reign, what? And princes shall rule where? Take note of the word reign and take note of the word rule. Right? 15. He was one that did it. So let's go back there. 15. That's two. 15. Until the spirit be poured upon us from what? What is the intent of the outpouring of the spirit? Then the wilderness will become what? A fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be counted for a forest. Next verse, look at this carefully. Then judgment will dwell where? 
and righteousness will remain where? Listen, what happens in the wilderness is judgment. And judgment is a prerogative of princes, not of kings. The king reigns in righteousness. The princes rule in justice. And the element that brings justice is judgment. It then means that what is wilderness upon the earth is not according to the order of what God created from the very beginning. It means these are the places where the, the force of Satan, the strength of Babylon has prevailed over the earth. These are the places where Toho and Boho, uh, oh, sorry, without form and void, now exists. These are the places where the righteous standards of God are not held onto anymore. He's not speaking about physical wilderness. But he said that what will happen in the day when the reign of the king is established is that he will establish his princes to rule. No, no, their own is not a reign, it's a rule. Rule is a forceful word, it's a word of control. It's a word that subdues. It dominates, it puts under. It means that whatever was responsible for keeping the wilderness as a wilderness, our portion is to bring it under. So what the reign of Jesus looks like is that the forest, what principle is at work in the forest? Righteousness. And the Bible told you that the king will reign in righteousness. Can you see it? That means in wherever place the princes have been able to enforce the rule of God to the degree to which the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, then the princes move from there because by the prince anointing, his assignment is to take dry places, turn them to fruitful fields and submit them to the king. So a place that has become fruitful leaves the domain of the prince and enters the domain of the king. Good illustration. Look at where this rug is, right? This is the forest. Who turned this place into the forest? A prince. Because when the spirit was poured upon him from on high, he converted this wilderness to a fruitful field. Now the moment the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, the prince is not comfortable here. He moves here. And he starts again to subdue this territory. Is anybody following me? The moment the fruitful field grows into this territory, this territory becomes inconducive for the prince. He moves. Now, if like Pastor Mo said, we are the princes, then what you want to ask is, what is the internal formation that makes that we're not comfortable in places that are now fruitful? And, and is that prince we're talking about that one small headache came up from hell and the guy is sitting down and singing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrows. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Glory, hallelujah. Listen, hey, let me say what will make some people leave this conference. The primary problem 
is that the small one they wanted to use to test whether you are ready for princeship. I know you have not heard that word before. Princeship. I use this so that you don't forget. The small one they wanted to use to test. By the time they turned up the heat a little, the way you shouted, God knows that he will lose you, lose the former fruitful field, lose... You will turn that fruitful field into a wilderness. You, you are a professional at threatening God. And yet, God has to work within you a formation that makes you uncomfortable in fruitful fields. That makes that it is when you arrive at desert lands that you are excited. That's actually what proves, according to Isaiah, that you are a prince. <laughs> Then one exam that you failed. Nobody heard word. It's even academic exam, not spiritual exam. You failed one academic exam. Nobody heard word. You questioned the faithfulness of God. You questioned, you, you even questioned the anointing of your pastor. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Pastor Gideon seems to understand what I'm talking about. If the day of the Lord is here, part of the one of the first things that you have to be established in is the knowledge that the days of convenience are over. Let me tell you, I found out that the, the highest reason for compromise is convenience. The highest reason for compromise is the love of convenience. Every time God provokes you beyond the level of what you are used to. <laughs> so God cannot push you within boundaries that you are not used to. The moment if God tries it, in fact, you, you even say to him, Lord, if you try it, even he knows. So those of you who love fruitful field, Welcome to the conference that is about to damage you forever. Because let me tell you the truth. If a land is taken, I'm not interested in it. Do you understand it? If a land is taken, if Jesus now reigns in a land, I'm no longer interested. Let him be king. Let me find the next dry place. I was saying something earlier. Because we need to shake ourselves to the very roots. If we don't shake ourselves to the very roots, we can start talking about the day of the Lord and speak a lot of theories. And in the day when it stands before us, we will not know how to respond to God. Because I found out that the strongest worship word is response. That's all. With all I am, with all I am, I respond to the groanings of your pleasures with it. With all I am, with all I am, I respond to the groanings of your pleasures with it. These songs, they are not my songs. Though. Thank God, the owners of the songs, they came with me this time. 
That's Pastor Esau. Now, please understand. So, the day of that battle can only happen in between two mountains. I'm going to come to that later when we come talk about Joel chapter 3. But I needed you to see that this mountain requires blood. This other mountain requires blood. Let's deal with Babylon first and on the surface. Babylon requires blood. That's the reason why there is an allegiance. There's an altar you must bow to in Babylon to arrive at some level of political power, economic wealth, social influence, or the hold of earthly justice. There must be. Listen, it. Hey, hey, let me say it in PG. Nobody they climb this place with clear eye. You you cannot ascend a mountain if the God that owns that mountain does not have your heart. And the only way Satan can ensure that he has your heart is to cause you to shed blood, because blood is the highest speaking element on the earth. Oh. Am I going too deep? Good. Blood is the highest speaking element on the earth. And the moment a man is willing to shed blood to arrive at power, to arrive at authority, Satan is sure that there is no day he will use this authority outside of the sphere of the advancement of the kingdom of darkness. So Satan guarantees. So all these guys who are your workspace mates, who are just normal guys, they are victims. All of them are gathered in the valley of decision. The major guys are very few. Those ones service altars. And when they service altars, that's how you know that the wealth of the earth responds only to the gods of the earth. When we say the day of the Lord is upon us, See, we're not just talking spiritis. When we say the day of the Lord is upon us, we are saying that by Zion now, men can rise into political power. By Zion now, men can rise into stupendous wealth. By Zion now, men can rise into global social influence. By Zion now, men can arrive at holding the keys to earthly justice. Because who holds the keys to earthly justice determines what terms... Justice is played by. So when we say the day of the Lord is here, we're not just talking about some thick smoke and cloud falling from heaven. By the grace of God in the midst of the conference, we'll talk about smoke, cloud, and all those things and what they mean. Because I don't like us leaving anything vague. And scripture has sufficient interpretation for scripture. So that's the blood that Babylon sheds. It sheds the blood of men as a submission of the heart of those who will control the earth to, into a depth of allegiance that makes that Satan is sure that there's nothing about them that can respond to the Spirit of God anymore. Are we together? But then we ascend this holy mountain. Ah... Hey, let me tell you something. That even within our kingdom, there are many people who have registered in the kingdom of God who are still in the valleys. They, they will never ascend this mountain. Because even our own mountain has a price. It has a price tag. 
So for God to drag you into kingdom authority, for God to drag you into kingdom power, there are actually certain realms of allegiance God also requires of you. Several scriptures will reveal it. And yet, I find Psalm 24 quite convenient. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. The worlds and they that dwell therein. For he has founded upon the floors and established upon the waters. Then he said, who will ascend? The hill of the Lord. Who will stand in his holy place? He that had clean hands, a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, that my offering will be acceptable in your sight, my Lord and King, that you'd be pleased with me and in the sound I bring before your throne. Oh, that my offering will be acceptable in your sight, my Lord and King, that you'd be pleased with me and in the sound I bring before your throne. Ganina, 
The song actually, it simply says, receive my heart as your holy sacrifice. Then behold my hands, my Lord. It's clean hands and a pure heart. And a man who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity. Now, please forgive me. You see, there are, there are certain things that are, are greater concerns for me in scripture, Right? For instance, I know that Peter wrote and he said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time, God will lift you. You guys, don't sit down. Just, do you have stool? Kukma, carry your chair and your daughter. You, put, you know how we do these things. Raymond just wants to write. That's why he wants to sit down. This guy likes spiritual things. When you see his life, he looks very carnal. Look at him. See your shoe. It's your vanity I'm talking about. Sorry, sorry. That's how we are with my guys. Just imagine, no. Remo said he wants to marry. The day he said it, I had to shout, Blood of Jesus. How come, Remo? My problem is not the Remo, it's the girl that decided to marry him. Let, let me go on. Ray, Baba. This tone of the corner. Glory, hallelujah. Can, can I go on a bit? Yeah, Kai, the way you are cold. When Pastor Mo was here, everybody was happy. Pimo, Pimo, please. Pimo, you need to show me how these things are done. When you were here, everybody was happy. Everybody was shouting. We were all praying. See, I came, everybody just gentle. I don't like making people like this. That's why sometimes I have to stop and joke so that at least I can see your teeth. Because if I continue preaching, some of you, the way you look, Let me preach the gospel. We're talking about ascending Zion. Are we still alive? So clean hands, pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to vanity nor sworn deceitfully. Now, please stick around that with me, right? Because I'm conscious that 2 Corinthians chapter 10 declares, Pastor, that we can only have a readiness to judge all disobedience, PG, when our obedience is complete. That means if I were you, I would not focus on judging disobedience. I would focus on complete obedience. I give you two other scriptures. Peter said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time he will lift you. Casting all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. Now, stop. He didn't say cast all of your cares upon him. He said casting. 
That means, sir, the mark of humility before God is my ability to cast my cares upon him. That if there's a care upon me that I don't know how to cast upon the Lord, it means I'm proud. And that I do not even understand that the seasons of my life are determined by the mighty hand of God. So, if I am humbled under the mighty hand of God, which is the guarantee that in due season he will lift me, it is revealed. There's a scripture I find very difficult to avoid. Hebrews chapter 5. All of you who know me know that recently. I cannot. The Bible says, though Jesus were a son, yet lent he obedience to the things that he suffered. Now, hold on. Because when we were speaking about adoption in our last retreat, the one you missed, Diligent pursuit. When we're speaking about adoption in our last retreat, one of the elements I showed you in Romans chapter 8, please find that scripture for me. The Bible says that the sufferings of these present times are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And uh, I, I don't know if I did, it, did this in diligent pursuit, but if I didn't, you, you'll get it now. All right? Suffering there is not, it's not suffer head. Sorry, forgive me. You, you suffer head. Suffering is not, I'm carrying all the problems of the world on my head. That's not that kind of suffer on the head. No, that's not suffering. If not, the noble will never arrive at glory. Because every time I think of suffering, we're thinking poverty, sickness, we're thinking pain, lack. But that's not scriptural definition of suffering. Are you following me? There is a scriptural definition of suffering. And that's the blood that needs to be shed for you to ascend this mountain. I'll tell you what it is. The Bible says, Hebrews 5 verse 7, Though he were a son, yet lent he obedience to the things he suffered. Okay, hold on. One word comes out again. Obedience. Let's deal with it. Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says, Though he were equal with God, did not consider equality with God anything to hold tightly unto. But he made himself of no reputation. That means God did not make him of no reputation. He made himself of no reputation. Took upon himself the form of a man and being found in the likeness of sinful man, he became obedient to death. Even the death of the cross. That means that the perfection of his obedience is revealed in the way he died. So let's go to the way he died so that we can establish obedience and suffering. Are you still here? Right? Because what he was learning by suffering was obedience. Though he were a son, yet lent he obedience to the things he suffered. And obedience, according to Philippians chapter 2, is what caused God to highly exalt him and give him a name that is above every other name. So Jesus didn't exalt himself, didn't give himself a name. It was God who exalted Jesus and gave him a name. That means Jesus himself humbled himself under the mighty hand of God and in due time. He was lifted. That means if it is Zion you want to ascend unto, you have to learn the dynamics of what it means to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It means, mighty hand simply means that there are orchestrations by the sovereignty of God that you have no right to be part of. So Job was not there when they were discussing that he was the greatest man in the East. Job was not there when God was making the boast. Job was not there when Satan was putting down a case. Job only woke up in the morning and everything he had was beginning to disappear. 
and he realized in his first test, this is the mighty hand of God. Then he gave praise and both God and Satan agreed that he passed. Are you following me? It's getting hot in here. Yeah, I think I'm beginning to arrive at the message now. Are we together? Please hear me. The moment you get this one, you will get the first part of the day of the Lord. That when the day of the Lord shows up, God wants to first deal with the individual he wants to exalt. So that the exaltation will not be interpreted like Babylon interprets his exaltation. So please follow me. Though he were a son, lent he obedience to the things he suffered. Paul, I reckon that the sufferings of these present times are not worthy to be compared with what? The glory that shall be revealed in us. What glory was he speaking about? Adoption. If you didn't get that part, refer to the last retreat. Let me move on. Right? Forgive me, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm trying to punish Pastor Nigel. He didn't make it for the last retreat. <laughs> are you following me? The, where he was, that glory is adoption. Let me summarize adoption. Adoption is the place where whatever you say, heaven is forced to execute and bring to pass to the latter without fail. And don't tell me adoption is impossible because you saw it in Jesus. There was not a word he declared. If he mistakenly told the tree, let no man eat from you. That was it. And within the prophecy of scripture, that level of authority is still waiting. In the day of the Lord, the church will be anointed again to carry that level of authority. In that day, whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. That's kingdom authority. That's what Jesus was introducing Peter to. So, please follow me. Who? Though he were a son, yet lent he obedience to the things he suffered. Give me that scripture on the board. If you would, Hebrews chapter 5. It was speaking about the priesthood of Jesus. Still here? Yes, sir. Come on, saints. Still here. All right. Ah. Verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest. But he that saith unto him, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Verse 6. As he said also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Next verse. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. Next verse. Though he were his son, lent he obedience to the things he suffered. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, casting your cares upon him. So go back to verse 7 and let's establish. How did Jesus arrive at eternal authority? In the days when he lived in the flesh, the Bible says he offered up prayers and supplications with no 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 if he said crying it would have been bad, and, bad enough he said strong crying and tears 
unto the one that was able to save him from death. Now, hold on. And he was heard because he feared. Now, if he was heard and the prayer was answered, then he shouldn't have died. It means that the death he was asking God to save him from was not the cross. The death he was asking God to save him from was himself. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So when Jesus looked at the cross, even though Jesus knew this is the will of the Father, yet within himself, he would not, the capacity to bear this level of pain, in the name of saving some chintok somewhere. So Jesus entered into a contention within himself. Should I? Should I not? Uh, listen. It's, it's not nevertheless, not my will, but let yours be done. That turned his sweat into thick droplets as blood. No. It was the internal contemplation. Must I go through this? Then Jesus realized that there was still flesh enough inside of him to resist the will of God. So Jesus began to cry deeply to say, God, can I believe? Listen to me. I hope you know that this speaks about the situations and the circumstances where we feel strongly justified to hold on to a fleshly position. Oh God, let me talk to somebody. And what you didn't know was that even though you were right, yay! I wish I'll send this from the back so that I'm only looking at the back of your head. Pass up with me. So that even though you were right and you could calculate by the law of divine justice how that you are the one they should tell sorry. Yet, the prevailing will of God right now is that beyond the justice of your being right, you need to rise up and be my representative. So get up, walk up to him and tell him you are sorry. Somebody is not in the circumstance, but he just died on their chairs. Chelsea, I'm just seeing you. No, no, no. We're talking about what it takes for God to trust you with ascending Zion. <laughs> we ascend this holy mountain. Ah. Please, 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 please. Listen, I hope you know that there are fears you can embrace and you have a legal explanation for it. Ah, I know my wife. If I let her, some guy is going to take her. You know my wife is fine. I'm standing in front of her just in case you're wondering which one is my wife in the room. I know my wife. She's fair. If I let her, some guy is going to take her. Then I begin to set up structures. And the basis for those structures are my personal human fears. Every time God shows up, he places a demand on those structures. And he's asking you, set her 
free. If you don't bring her to that level of liberty, you too will not be qualified. Hey. No, but I know her. Her will is not so strong. Someone's going to... Someone is going to, going to, going to sway her away. Pastor Bumi, all that explanation as far as God is concerned is not sufficient a platform to permit for that level of manipulation. Oh, I wish somebody heard me. Good to see you, sirs. I believe that's Mike and Sammy. Thank you, sir. Good to see you. Uh, is anybody still here? Yes, sir. Uh, are we still interested in climbing Zion? Yes, sir. Uh, anybody still in this game with me? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, we ascend this holy mountain ah, yeah. Say we are, we are this holy mountain this holy It should be the hour of death. <laughs> because blood is required. This ascendance, it requires blood. It's not the blood of a fresh sacrifice. It's the blood of the sacrifice of Jesus. And yet we understand that sacrifice on a substitutionary basis. We have not yet understood it on an exemplary basis. That when we enter into the door of the sacrifice of Jesus on the strength of his substitution, at that point, the next set of sacrifices we have will not be on the strength of his substitution. It will be on the strength of an example. So we have to do what he has done. So if any man will come out at me, let him deny himself. Pick up his own cross daily and follow. That's why I agree with Pastor Mo totally. Part of the standards that God must restore is truth. And truths and facts are two different things. Truth is God's perspective. So, on the basis of the fact, he can be wrong and you are right, but when you stand from truth, God tells you both of you are wrong. Because on the strength of your being right, you refuse to do the God thing. And at that point, you also fail the standard of truth. And you stopped your ascendance to the mountain of God. So you can stop the ascendance. Because you see, at this level, it's not salvation we're talking about. Salvation is free. God is looking for who will rule with him. And the basis every time is come out from among them and be separate. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. Then 2 Corinthians 7 opens by saying, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that we have this kind of promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Please hear me. 
This is not some hard gospel. This is the simple truth about what it will take for God to recruit those who will represent him in the day of the Lord. <laughs> Pimo said it's simple to declare, it's hard to do. Listen, can, can somebody as we listen today just beg God to deliver them from the legality of being right? <laughs> See, if you are delivered from the legality of being right, you just overcame what scripture calls self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is about the filthiest thing that approaches the presence of God. The moment you understand it, listen to me, that is somewhere in the midst of this convention, I suspect when we get to Joss, I suspect when we get to Joss, I'm going to do a teaching. What does it take to be a peacemaker? Because, sir, the Bible said that those are the guys who will possess the earth. It told you about the meek. It told you about the peacemaker. It told you about the pure in heart. Those were kingdom parables. And they were not speaking about a kingdom that is to come. They were speaking about an army that can subdue the present darkness of this world and establish the reign of Christ in this present age. Wait, stop. Let's tell ourselves the truth. If the gospel continues at the pace we are going in the next 15 years, we will lose the gospel in Africa. In America, it's like gone. We are just trying to wake it now. Oh, you don't know wake it now. People should teach me English. I need to be talking with this woman. Are, are you following me? If you go to Europe, you go to America, what, what you have are the relics of an ancient revival. And the blessedness of people like you who are beginning to dig up those ancient wells and insisting on it. That's the reason why you will war the kind of wars you war to stand with truth. And yet you will find out that because it is the day of the Lord, the people are willing. And yet there's an organized structure that loses everything if it stands with truth. That structure will mobilize everything within its power to bring you there. But you know what? You didn't send yourself so you cannot keep yourself. It's the one who sent you that keeps you. If we get delivered, Pimo, from self-righteousness, the moment we get delivered from self-righteousness, what begins to happen is we die the necessary death. Oh my God. I'm, I'm tempted to touch Hebrews 13. Let me yield to it. Is that okay? Can I yield to that temptation? We have an altar. Hebrews 13, 10. Go me to Hebrews 13, 13. Ooh. God is Yes, he is a reward of them that seek him. God is. Yes. Ah. Hebrews 13, give me from verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, uh -huh, and forever. Next verse. 
be not carried about with what? Now, please follow me. I'm talking about, sir, I'm talking about organized structure. And you and I who sit within the context of organized structure, know the, the amount of death and price to pay to run organized church structure on the strength of the purity of scripture. I spoke with a very senior servant of God in this nation not too long ago and he spoke to me with tears in his eyes and his concern is that about the strongest names people are gathering around do not even believe the power of God anymore. They are using amulets and charms and he has proof I don't have as I was sitting there, I was telling God, I cover my ears with the blood of Jesus. I don't want to hear. Let's not even make the mistake of calling any name. I was not interested. Generally, when it comes to the gospel, I'm very, I am very, very selective. Extremely. I can love you with what you do from there. When it starts to enter into my space, all of my glasses of scrutiny wake up. Because it's part of my only way of staying safe. But it's not only about staying safe, Pimo. It's also the fact that there's God's flock committed to my care. If I permit rubbish there, I will stand before God. No, it's not me. I would rather cut it off and wake up and find out that ah, I cut out something good yesterday, then I'll introduce it today. Until the Lord introduces it to me, I cannot let my flock partake of it. Because I'm a shepherd. And he was speaking to me with tears. And he said, man of God, we had to do something about this generation. I said to him, it's Jesus that died for all of us. We can, we can only do as much as he has committed to us. Unfortunately, people who hold on to truth are not popular. And the moment you begin to speak, they believe that it is your lack of popularity that is making you attack that which is. Well, personally, I want to start thanking God because I'm living the unpopular realm. You agree, right? I'm, I'm, I'm gradually entering to what you can now begin to call. That's fine. It just tells you that Jesus can still exalt a man. Don't worry, I'm not sworn to any idol. Not even in my heart. You know there are idols in the heart. You can swear to the idol of wealth in your heart. Let's talk about another day. Let's not destroy some things. There are some things you do or say that establishes idols in your heart. So you're saying it with tears in his eyes. And I said to him, sir, I have the consolation of scripture that these things are going to be judged so that the church of Jesus will come out pure. There has to be a separation. Yeah. Let me get back to what I was saying. Yeah. So Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now look at this. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Now see what is responsible for strange doctrines. See, it's there. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with, not with. What is responsible for strange doctrine? Meat. 
almost every doctrine that is based on falsehood in the church is about personal advantage. So the moment it seems like it, it, it does not stand to my personal advantage, man, I can't preach it. Do you realize how it, easy it is for a father to tell the wife of the house what the Bible says concerning submission and the children of the house what the Bible says concerning honoring their parents? But it's difficult for him to hold himself accountable to the standard of husband's love. Oh, fathers provoke not your children to anger. It's easy for a pastor to tell you, if I'm your father, where's my honor? If I'm your pastor, if I have shared with you my spiritual, what does it take for you to share back with me your canal? Easy message for a preacher. Well, can, can I tell you the one that is difficult for a preacher? It's for him to reveal to you his responsibilities over you. That nothing should happen within the context of your life that escapes his spiritual reader. That there has to have been some kind of indication in teaching or by prophecy that a day like this is coming. That's when you know you are in a good house. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. A shepherd owes you green pastures. A pastor is supposed to tell you that if you walk into church on Sunday with a problem and I did not address it by the end of the sermon, you possibly are in the wrong church. Move to the next pastor. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, no, no, just in case, we're, we're just starting a bit the conference. I should not be going that far. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you for advising me. Meanwhile, while it's first day, go back to verse 7 first. Go back to verse 7. Let me show you the responsibilities of a shepherd. 7. Remember them that have the rule over you. Who have what? So you don't submit your life to a person until he has spoken unto you the word of God. Number two, whose faith follow? That means he must have a steady example of faith that is worthy of emulation. Considering the end of their conversation, meaning his life is supposed to be opened enough for you to tell what purpose, for what purpose he's doing everything he's doing. Until then, you don't have a pastor. I, I want to thank God that I'm a pastor. I thank God I'm not a member. Yeah, because if I said it as a member, they can excommunicate me from the kingdom of God. And, and I'm glad that I'm not saying it within strange congregations. All of these guys, these ones, I pastored them. Recently, I even saw one that scared me. Let me share it. Edosa's sister and her husband were kidnapped soon after they married. And the very stupid children were laughing with the kidnappers. They were laughing. They were playing, joking. By the time we collected them back from the kidnappers, 
because I say we because she's also family. She's married to my younger brother. By the time we got them back from the kidnappers, the stories we heard was that they came out happy, they were fine, and we're all right. And all of us just gave God thanks. Until a video emerged. This was the person who sent me the video last week. It was how many days before their wedding? That was a day before the wedding, right? The next day was going to be a traditional wedding. And they had walked into this meeting that she was hosting and I was preaching. And I said, if a kidnapper holds a gun to your head, the reason for the fear is because you don't trust the hand that holds it. Then I looked at both of them and I said, just like Adesua walked into this place with a boy. I don't even know the boy. He says he wants to marry her. I said, if I was one that was joining this wedding, they'll wait three more years. I said, but if the gun was in the hand of this guy and they put it on the head of Adesua, she would only laugh because she saw the hand that. Then I said, but that's not a basis for fear. Because even in the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. No matter who is holding the gun, we know that God is with us. And so the fear is broken. We did not know that we were preparing them for kidnap in six weeks. Now, did we remember that that was said? I didn't even remember. And yet under the atmosphere of the presence of God and the power of the word of God, fear was already broken. So when they were caught in that situation, there already was a word that had gone ahead of them that broke the power of fear that now made that they could live in the midst of kidnappers talking night and day until they finally got so when they sent me the video I sat down and I said God you have a sense of humor of all the people maybe close to 200 people that were in that hall that day why was it both of them I used with kidnappers and do you understand it that's how you know there's a covering over you when my people sit with me they said to me sir I was in the center of the situation and what you said the Sunday before just came alive and I knew what to do I stood one Sunday in church and I started shouting, Negotiate! Then I told them the story of the rich, sorry, the poor wise man whose wisdom delivered the city. But he was forgotten because he was poor. So I told them what he lacked was negotiate. David showed up from the backside of the bush. When he saw Goliath to kill, the first thing he said, what shall be done? They told Joseph, they told Joseph, ma, that the king needs an answer in a hurry. Come out quickly. Joseph told them, wait. He saved his birds and changed his garments because he knows that if he appeared before the king looking like a pauper, by the time he's done speaking, they'll be looking for who will execute I didn't know that some of my guys had multi-millionaire deals in front of them and they wanted to be Christians in front of the table. You know what I mean by Christians, right? Just anything. He said to me, Pastor, when I sat there, I heard you again, negotiate. So I went to our other church, Zaria, to dedicate their new building. And I referred to negotiate one of my leaders was at the table. The CEO of his company was treating him like he was rubbish. And we knew that he was the one who was doing the groundwork. I told him, go and find another company. 
that does the same thing and offer your services there. There was one that was starting. They gave him times two of what the former one was paying him. So he said to them, I'm coming. Then he went to tender his resignation. When his boss here heard that he was tendering his resignation, he said, you cannot go anywhere. He said, sorry, sir, I'm gone. He said, no, you cannot go anywhere. Meet us in a meeting. Come, you and the other six managers who work with you. And then they came. Seven of them were giving brand new cars at that meeting. Then they called him aside. And then the CEO was psyching him. And then at the end of the day, they gave him, they gave him an offer. That was times three of what they used to give him before. So he said to me, Daddy, I heard you that day. You said negotiate. Listen to me. You can't sit down in a church and the matters... Let's close it. Can I move on? Pastor Joel, you know what I'm talking about. So that in case you think it's a lie. Pastor Joel, I beg stand up, stand up. That's one of my pastors. He knows exactly, he knows the story I'm talking about. If I give him the microphone, he can tell you the name of the person. So he said to me, so what do I do with the other company that was willing to take me? I told him, offer them consultancy. <laughs> Let me go on. We ascend. Are we ready to climb Zion? <laughs> After Pimo's answer, I need to give Tiffany this microphone. I think I need to sit down. <laughs> Tiff, I'm getting set to leave, oh, so better get set. Really, true. I shouldn't leave. Even Tiffany is saying no. No, this, this conspiracy will not hold. No, please. Guys, okay, let me finish this part. I, I, I was reading a scripture. <laughs> Please move on. Go back to verse 9, where I was before. I stand to show you that the sacrifice of God, Christ then becomes exemplary the moment you have used the substitutionary to come into the kingdom. Are you following me? Are you following me? So he was wounded for our transgressions. Yes. Bruised for our iniquities. Yes. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Yes. With his stripes we are healed. Great. One dimension of the cross. Let me show you the other side. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is good, for it's a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meat, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. I, I wish you heard it. D did you actually hear it? Can I now go on? That the people who have engaged and twisted the gospel for personal gain didn't actually arrive at profit. It's you that thought they bought cars. It's you that thought they got houses. First Timothy chapter 6 told you that they pierced themselves night and day with many sorrows. An influential woman said to me in this city, she said to me, all people see are the cars. If they know how many tears run in that car. I would rather run the streets happy than drive that car with the amount of tears I have with it. Even if it's the blessing of the Lord, it will make rich and it will add no sorrow. The problem is not the wealth. It's the sorrow that came with it. So pastors have had to lie, cover up, stab people, tear people down because of a status they want to. And when they arrive there, they suddenly discover that it wasn't even worth it. 
It has not profited them who have been occupied therein. Not profited. Anybody still injured? Be ready for truth. Oh. If you want to go this journey with us, please be ready. And I'm glad I'm the one preaching so that tomorrow you can hold me to the same standard. I was talking to my friend, Pastor Jerry Easy, a few days ago. And he said to me, bro, if we address these standards today and tomorrow you find me failing, hold me accountable to it. Then I told myself, this guy will go far. You, what you see, what, what God cannot do does not exist. That's what you see. No, that's all you see. There's a lot more to what God cannot do does not exist. Because that guy is sitting down in one prayer meeting and there are three, four hundred thousand people around the world watching at once. Do you know how much attention there is to that? Do you know how much tendency, how much energy are sitting about spiritual energy in church before I left? I've seen them principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Maybe one will get to Joss. And I taught them that the touch of men generates spiritual energy that is strong enough to conform a generation to act in a particular direction. If a thought prevails consistently, it becomes an, a ruling energy in the atmosphere. You will just enter the atmosphere, you'll be controlled by it. PJ, I know you'll understand this. If you sit in front of a girl whose sexual activity is high, the moment you sit in her radius, something just begins to happen to you. You know it is not lost. It's actually the consistent generation of that energy. It has the tendency to give you a direction to act in. That's why you must be conscious that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That means I carry my own aura, aura everywhere I go because I've exercised myself in the presence of God. When I step into a place, it doesn't matter what prevailing thought exists in that place. The kingdom of God is at hand. So let me show you the example of Jesus. Today I perceive that God wants to break the legality of being right from many people. Really what you want is to be sad, to sit across a table and just tell yourself, I was right, he was wrong. Oh, I was right, she was wrong. I was right, they were wrong. I found out that God doesn't judge like that. Some people hurt me badly badly Pastor Nigel. That's part of the places where I got my authority from. They hurt me badly. And the day I heard about what they did, it was like a year and a half after people stood outside my wedding hall and were throwing curses at me. I heard it a year and a half later. And that day I was in deep pain because it was men and women who I had entrusted my life to. 
I cried, the root of my bed was shaking, was quaking against the ground. And when I finished crying, the Holy Ghost said to me, one of them is in town, I need you to go there now. I just told him, God, kill me. I ain't going. Just kill me here. Then I heard one of my submission songs. For you are my Lord. Oh. When the Holy Ghost sings your song back to you. You are my Lord. For you are my Lord. You are my Lord. You are my Lord. Say for you are my will lead you to carrying your cross daily. It's only the recognition that he is Lord that can make you do that. The recognition of his Lordship. And with his Lordship there's no contemplation. No, no. The moment you declare that he is Lord, everything he says is yes. Every step I took that day was to death. Every single step I took that day, I was dying. When I arrived at the meeting, I sat at the back. The host of the meeting came himself to take my things to the front. And I just would not go. I told God, I said, the only reason why I came here is to obey. And you know, after the service, the person looked at me, Bobby, and said, I knew you would come back. I didn't say a word to him. I was angry with God. It's only God that is making him get the leverage to even insult me like this. 
God will have left me with some element of my human dignity at home. Then after that service, that's about the time when I was starting church. God told me, tell him you are starting church and ask him to pray with you. Even as, as, as I'm saying it now, I'm remembering the emotion of that day. I would have held on to the legality of I was right. You were wrong. But because the Lord was involved. When I finished telling my starting church and I was going to start the next Sunday and then I wanted him to pray with me. I said, family, with a wicked smile on my face, the kind of smile you can use to kill somebody. You know, there's a kind of smile that you are smiling but the person is dead. And then he looks at me and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I think you are beginning to arrive at the will of God. Because last week, myself and my wife were praying for you and we, small, we saw a small ray of light in the darkness. That means you are believing in darkness all the while. See, it was not Linda. See how Linda wants to beat me on behalf of the person. The anger is paining Linda now after like 12 years. I sat there and then I looked at him. I could not resist the urge. This one, I will not lie to you. <laughs> By the time he said, I saw his smorial light, I looked at him and I said, you are wicked. I said to him, so if I had been in darkness this number of years, you were going to wait until I died in darkness. And then I'll face the Lord. I said, for your information, I was not in darkness. I was following God. And what brought me here today is that the Lord said, then he said, that's my problem with you. Every time you come for advice, you tell us the Lord said, I didn't go for advice. I found out much later that he presupposed a position in my life he didn't have. But I died a million deaths. And I went back home. And the pain was still in my heart. And then the Lord said to me, He that hates his brother is a murderer. And no murderer has eternal life dwelling in him. So I said to God, What do we do about this? He said, Love those that hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you. So I began to follow the city. Every time I saw a poster with his face on it, with the pain in my heart, I lay my hands on it and say, Lord, bless this meeting. <laughs> but what people didn't know was that I was ascending Zion. That's what it means for you not to have lifted up your soul to vanity. When you bring vain considerations to the fore, that's when he is, she is not. Oh, that's a great guy. No, I'm a small guy. No, that guy is big. This one is poor. That's when all of that begins to, those are vain considerations. And the Bible says, them that observe lying vanities will surely forsake their mercies.
I learned forgiveness until I learned forgiveness. The second forgiveness means to give before. So I gather forgiveness in my account for you. The Bible says, make room for one, for one another's fault. So long before you fault, I could come and keep the... But you know, these are not things that you can do by power or by might. You have to arrive at the acknowledgement that it takes the grace of God. These are debts to die. These debts are personal. And yet, they were the things that Paul was speaking about when he said, and having a readiness to judge all disobedience. When your obedience is complete. It's the obedience of Jesus was speaking about. Though he was God, he did not consider equality with God anything to hold tightly unto. Made himself of no reputation. Then he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong cries and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. The Bible says, and he was heard because he feared. That means there's a fear that should not depart from you. So if I woke up tomorrow and I thought evil concerning Tiffany, I should return to God in fear. Lord, I didn't know that I still sustained this capacity. Aid me, oh God. And I don't do that one carelessly. The Bible calls it strong crying and tears. That means if you don't deal with earthly elements, with the kind of spiritual urgency that it takes, God cannot commit the kingdom into your care. Because you will soon use your strong personality to destroy men and destroy the kingdom. I don't need to talk about that here. Many of us are coming from short scars, deep wounds. Because God permitted us to taste the hold of men who arrived at power, but they themselves had not died the death to understand what it means to be a shepherd. So the day you cross personal agenda, strike you, you don't even think to it. And don't get it wrong. As a pastor, I've had to deal with rebellion a number of times. Satan has sown seed of rebellion even in the hearts of my spiritual children. And I would have had the tendency to get up and cross them because I had the power of the structure in my hands. And in those days, I myself had to yield myself to the control of the spirit and told him to birth self-control in me. Then I call my children and I'm lobbying them. Do you understand what death that is? I'm looking at these guys and the tendency is to think in the flesh. If I snap my finger, nobody will ever remember you. I'm telling you how the flesh speaks. We speak like we own the people God gave us in care. Peter warned. He said, don't sit over the Lord's flock like you had one that died for them. It is the Lord's flock. You see, so the Lord's flock has suffered many things because of men who were broken yesterday but didn't die their deaths. And because they didn't die their deaths, when men came under their care, it, they could not bow the knee before God. So, Keziah. Keziah spoke about me. Who is Keziah? What was she? When we met her, we made her. Those were the kind of utterances that made Moses not enter the land. And now leaders are comfortable to utter those kind of things. Because we have not died. 
please see i beg you as i speak don't be thinking about somebody think about the tendencies that are prevalent inside of you wait until the, the day that there's a 10 billion in your account when you believe that at the snap of the finger the whole world can rally around you if in that day you sustain humility then death has happened to you those are the things God is making sure of now because who will ascend the hill of the Lord clean hands, pure heart who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity let me tell you the basic interpretation of vanity is to look at anything and interpret it outside how God interprets it. I wish somebody heard me. Do you understand? Even if it's age, if you just sat down inside the place and you're just thinking, I'm the one who is 60. Everybody here is just 45 and below. The moment you interpret it that way, because one of the revivals that is coming is that God is going to cause the hearts of the fathers to meet with the sons and the hearts of the sons to meet with the fathers. What that means is that there is a generation and Pastor Mo, I trust God that our generation is that generation. That there is a generation coming that will follow God with everything and make their transitions in the spirit so that when their sons are born, they will not need to second guess anything. There's a steady spiritual environment around them. But you know, God always surpasses the previous in the next. So when God lifts up that generation and begins to reveal a dimension of himself to them that we do not have, we will have the humility to submit ourselves under them again. In that day, the heart of the children is with the fathers and the heart of the fathers is with the children. And he said, if that day doesn't come, I will smite the earth with a curse. There's a strong demand. I came to say tonight that the demand to compel the day of the Lord is upon us. And yet, it has to begin with our personal obedience. One of the marks is that nothing is too high a stake. Three days ago, I said to God, if you want me to stop active itinerant ministry, say it now. I will return home and pastor my church in the north if that will glorify you. You don't know what that means. You don't. Everybody knows that the northern church is poor. There's no news. We are the ones that were born to change that narrative. Yeah. I know my assignment. My dictates are clear. We're the ones that are born to change that narrative. And so in the present, it takes our crisscrossing the nation to be able to sustain the revivals of God at home. Many times, and I don't say this for any kind of pity, many times we're not like southern pastors. By the time they take tithes and offerings for a month, they are settled. They can take a vacation every month. They are fine. We're not like that. We crisscross the nation to go back and meet the needs that we left at home. So if God says to me today, stop itinerant ministry and go back home, it simply means I'm going back to fall back into the hand of God. And yet I'm saying to him, it's your revival, it's not mine. Every instruction you are giving to me is yours, it's not mine. 
And if how you have chosen to birth it is for me to return home and sit down. If my family will return to where it was 11 years ago, 12 years ago, it's not too high a risk as long as I know that I can hear your voice and I'm obeying. There are debts to die. How many things have we built that are laced with our personal interests? Every personal interpretation is a vanity. And every time Satan wants to stir us up, all he needs to do is to use that vanity to threaten us. It's part of the reasons why the highest scriptural recommendation for breaking vanity is to give. So if the vanity of a shirt holds you, give it. If the vanity of, a, of money holds you, give the money away. If the vanity of a house holds you, give out the house. If the vanity of a shoe holds you, give out the shoe. If the vanity of a position wants to take hold of you, fall to the ground and wash the feet of men. Jesus knew he came from the Father. He knew that all things were committed unto him. He knew that he was coming from the Father and that he was returning to the Father. The Bible says out of that knowledge, he got up from dinner. He took a towel, put water in a basin and began to wash their feet. It tells you that even the Lord Jesus will not let the vanity of anything hold him. So be not carried away with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is good, a good thing that the heart be established with grace and not with meats, which have not profited them that have occupied, have been occupied therein. Let me give you 10, 11, and 12, and let us pray. Verse 10, the Bible says, We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat that serve the tabernacle. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat that serve the tabernacle. For the bodies, next verse, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burnt without the camp. Let me explain it to you. Listen, when the high priest is going into the Holy of Holies, everybody knows that there are several sacrifices in Israel that the high priest looks forward to the meat. So when they finish offering the sacrifice of the blood to God, they take the meat and they go to boil it. And in the days of Eli, what they used to do was that the servant of the priest will come with a large fuck and then they will stand in front of the pot and then they will pierce through with their heads looking up into heaven. Whatever meat comes up with the fuck is what goes to the priest that you serve. So that you don't have the luxury of choice. Even the meat that you are supposed to eat. That's why the sons of Eli used to send and say, the priest does not want his meat boiled. Give what the meat raw. The idea is that if they say that, they will compel your sensuality to want to honor them so you take choice parts. Because I've been there before. When your heart begins to be bound to the material benefits of ministry, God makes sure you don't get it. That's how you know that you are still under the mercy of God. Many times you have to raise a personal structure to ensure your safety. And you will know you are disobeying God, but you will go on. Because it was all about the meat for you. Eee, sons of Eli. That was what God saw and he hated it. He said, I will kill this person. It was God who said it. But listen, Pastor Uti, 
He now said that the altar that he called us to, we don't have a right to it. Because that's the particular altar that Jesus represented. He didn't represent all those other sacrifices. He represented the sacrifice for sin. Now God in keeping the heart of the high priest pure, listen to me very closely. God in keeping the heart of the high priest pure made so that when they take the blood from that one year old lamb that is spotless, the rest of the meat, they don't keep it for boiling. They take it outside the camp and burn it down completely as burnt offering, complete, so that nobody tastes anything from it. The essence is so that the high priest is not going with the blood and he's thinking, let me finish and go and partake. And yet, you can carry this heart in ministry and God will prosper you greatly. Greatly. Sorry. This scripture is not for business people. It's for ministers. Because for business people is negotiate. For ministers, God requires that our hearts are pure. For a long time, for a God Life Assembly as a church is 12 years old. It started paying me for the first time last year out of compulsion. Bobby, you know the story. Now visa cousin. I had to get church to start paying me only because I applied for visas three times. And none of the embassies, you know the story. None of the embassies will approve my visa because they don't believe that I can be president and founder of a ministry and there's no financial transactions coming from the ministry to me. They bounced me visas three times. So I told my church. I said, okay, now pay so that we can have something to present. And the Lord is my witness. What the church pays me is what I pay the staff that work for me in church. There are people who I call my personal assistants. As they pay me, I pay them. I didn't do it because there's anything wrong with church paying me. I wanted to make sure that every time I stood before God to minister, my heart was pure. Who shall ascend? Please don't hear this and say, Pastor Chintok said, pastors should not be paid. It's not me. There are other pastors who work with me that I pay. It's a matter of a personal consecration so that my heart we have an altar whereof they have no right to it which served the tabernacle for the bodies of those beasts that were brought in the holy place for sin by the high priest were burnt without the camp and so therefore verse 12 Christ come on come on verse 12 verse 12 has he frozen now. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered where? Uh, that means when he went to burn himself without the camp, he was saying, anybody who is coming to me cannot be coming with the mindset of I came to drag a benefit. Next verse. Next verse. If it's this altar we chose to serve, we, one of the things we cannot hold on to is right. I said today, 
I believe that God came to end the legality of rights so that we can ascend. Today I kill, I was right, you were wrong. That desire to stand before a judge and declare. Did you hear how Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 7? He said, how come you have a matter with a brother and you go before an unbelieving judge? He said, don't you think that you should have rather suffered wrong? Hey. I want close. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him. Where? Without the calm. Doing what? What is the governing thought? For here, we have no continuing city. But we seek one which is to come. There's a city that is to come. If we will inherit that city, we cannot hold tightly anything in this city. Everything in this city was, must now be interpreted from the standpoint of God. So if it's wealth, I interpret it from the standpoint of God. Position, I interpret it from the standpoint of God. A lifting, I interpret it. Listen to me. Every promotion should take you into a fast. If you slept last night as supervisor and you woke up today and they invited you to the managerial table, don't do testimony in church and kill yourself like a fool. Take a fast. Lord, why? What is the new responsibility upon me in the spirit? What trust are you bringing me into? If not, promotions have killed more Christians than poverty. God is not anti-promotion. God loves to promote his children. He loves to prosper his children. But he hates to lose his children to promotions because they cannot interpret it rightly. Let us therefore go to him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one which is to come. Then the next verse said by him, therefore, let us offer continually unto God the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. Tonight, can somebody say to God, Lord, kill me from my, my desire to be right. Just that desire to be seen as right. That self-righteousness. That's... Ah. I come to the stone of the corner. Precious and holy, rejected by men. Cut me to feet into this edifice of grace. To the glory of your name. I love you, my stone of the corner. You're precious and holy, rejected by men. Cut me to feed into this edifice of grace. To the glory of your name. There are certain arguments you have put forth. And every time you put forth that argument, you just believe I am right every time. So it's easy for you to feel like a victim. All oh, life has not been fair to me. That feeling needs to die. And the only way it will die is for you to give up that thinking that I have a right. If it doesn't go, even God cannot trust you with the kingdom. If you cannot stand being wrong in the eyes of men so that you will be right in the eyes of God. If you can't stand it, then you are not worthy of the ascension. 
But if what you want is an ascension, you want to ascend into the purposes of God, you want to ascend into the hill of the Lord, you want to be the one standing upon that hill in the day of the Lord, then what you need right now is to say to God, Lord, I cast away my rights, even the things I should have embraced, the things I should have argued, the things I should have held tightly onto, I cast them off so that you, oh God, might be declared my righteousness. That's the place where I stand. That's the place where I stand. That's the place where I stand. Zodaka baroka diapadase diata. And having a readiness to judge all disobedience. When we return tomorrow, we'll speak about what it takes to judge all disobedience. Because in the day of the Lord, it is the right of princes to convert desert places into fruitful fields. And we started by judging disobedience. And yet today we stand in the place where we desire that our obedience is complete. We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that in due time He will lift us up, casting all of our cares upon Him because He cares. Jesus was teaching them one day and they looked at him and they said this is a hard saying and yet what we need is a supply of grace not an increase of effort 
Is anybody hearing me? That's what we need. See, we didn't come to a conference like this to talk you down and show you what you are disqualified from. No. The idea of revealing the standard of God is so that you can cry, Grace! Every time you cry it that way, then in the day when you fulfill that standard, you will not wear a self-righteousness chip on your nose. You will understand that it is by the grace of God I am what I am. A day comes when you are forgiving easily. You will not turn around and glory in your ability to forgive. Because you know, there's an edifice of grace he's building. And all I want to do is fit into that edifice. And if he does not call me, come up hither, then there cannot be the supply of the Spirit for me to be able to do the things that he's asking. Understand that it is not a demand for you to try. I stopped that song because I heard people trying in their hearts. Kai, Lord, this thing is difficult. Lord, Kai, I'm not sure I can survive it. He didn't call you to survive it. He called you to accept grace for it. So that when you do it, you'll be doing it naturally. Do you understand what I'm saying? That way, if you, if you find yourself in a situation and you cannot even do it, because Jesus found himself in this situation. The cross was clear. What was hazy was why should I do it? If I had my way, let this cross pass over me. Then he ran into the presence of the one who could give him grace. Then he had prayers and supplications with strong cryings and tears. And that was what scripture referred to later as his obedience being complete. So my obedience being complete is not an effort. It's an acknowledgement that I receive. Praise of God. Can somebody reach out to God and receive grace? Come on. Come on. Come on. Two minutes. Let's do it. Two minutes. Two minutes. I, I don't know if there's a prayer inside of you. But two minutes. Let's receive grace. Because the standards are clear. He will not let anybody ascend until they have clean hands and a pure heart. And yet clean hands and a pure heart is not an effort. It's grace. The Bible says, and they will see Zerubbabel proceeding with a cornerstone in his hand, with cryings, grace, grace unto him. I run to the stone of the corner. Come on, pray. You are precious and holy, rejected by men. Would you cut me to feet? To the glory of your name. Would you lift me to feet? Beautify me to feet. To the glory of your name. Lord, sanctify me to feet. Consecrate me to feet.
Lord, tonight we ask of you, send us grace. Indeed is the day of the Lord and a generation must ascend the mountain of God. Lord, indeed it is the day of the Lord and a generation must ascend the mountain of God. Lord, indeed it is the day of the Lord and a generation must ascend the mountain of God. Tonight, oh God, we ask, send grace, 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 send for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.